There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys. I'm also a Dudley Boy from What Culture. To be only happened on last night's episode. <laughs> but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Dressing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. <laughs> Been a week now. Uh, well, we do daily wrestling podcasts. We're not going to review Men in Our Row, but also Fan Ass Mate. Oh, we Dynamite, AW Collision, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. A little video quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Raw, the season premiere, Hamlet. Yeah, I mean, does it? No. Especially like, like, uh, for, for its notes. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Especially right now, because this feels like a continuation. More than usual. Uh, a rerun. Another good Raw. I, I thought the in-ring was really strong. I liked the big storyline developments. So mm. I've seen a bit of backlash against that today. So, like, maybe we'll dive in. I don't know why some of wrestling Twitter seems to have disagreed with some of the booking, but I would have gone in the most of the directions they did here. Still into all the big characters. It's just another positive week for all the people I'm invested in. I think. Since you sort of booked the conclusion to, to Raw on the preview yesterday. Did I? Big title switch, yeah. Oh, I thought there'd be a... I uh, didn't really. I said I could see a business case for either result. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hedged the old bets. People were raging with that, and I didn't get that. No, I don't understand that. Uh, I I thought the booking was uh, a bit iffy. It's draft stuff, it's split stuff. None of it ever makes sense. None of it ever matters. You can just do what you want. There'll be no... Will there any be repercussions for Jimmy Uso, do we think, from uh, Nick Aldis? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not. If uh, there is, I will yeah, not be a snarky uh, dickhead. I won't. Yeah. I won't. I so my take on that is, I think Kevin Owens not doing that is a babyface move. I like. I'll be proven wrong within weeks, I'm sure. But like, the, I, I'm willing to like hold up this draft thing and Jey Uso moving. And why I kind of accept all that is that like a babyface kind of adheres to the terms of the deal, whereas a heel doesn't. And yeah. obviously, we'll get into why and how Jimmy Uso probably ended up where he did. But yeah, that's. That's always where I've been able to make sense of the Jey Uso one and indeed make sense of like Sami Zayn's disappointment that he opened the show with. He will follow the rules that have been laid out to him by the draft, but heels don't. And, yeah. you know, obviously there's always things like tag champions can do what they want and that, but anyone can do what they want. And, and anyone can. <laughs> yeah, I, I do accept that as a, a fundamental flaw, but I'm just able, I guess, to buy into the baby faces at least trying to 
toe the line. Yeah. I think my big worry when Cody and Jay won the tag titles is how they're going to take it off them mm. and who's going to do it and what are they going to be the circumstances, basically. And I think this is the best way you could do it to continue the story with all the... I thought, yeah, all the pieces just fit together perfectly on this show. It's, you, you mentioned uh, on the, the SmackDown review, in fact, about, well, I'm intrigued on Raw to see how Sami Zayn reacts because... I think it's fair to say in previous years, he'd have just come out and been like, welcome to Raw, everyone. Everything's fine. Yeah. But now these characters have, you know, yeah. are affected by what's happening with them. An illusion of an interior life. Yeah, mm. exactly. Um, I didn't think the wrestling was that strong on this show, you know. I saw a lot of people raving about it, but I'm gonna, I'm interested in talking about the big match that people mm. raved about mm. uh, deeper into the podcast. I'll say because, uh, like, I'll just on... Brand swapping, I guess, a bit more, and why. Like, I never really... I kind of eventually just accepted that Cody was probably going to be the trade, but from the very beginning, I didn't want it to be because I just thought there was going to be more interesting directions if he couldn't just go to SmackDown whenever he wanted, and it seems like we're there now. Yeah. And that's good. I love that you had this little short title reign, and within that title reign, you delivered your big Cody Roman face off and all the things you could take from that. And now, theoretically... And you got the the Zayn Owens rematch. Yeah, like, theoretically, now that's gone. Like, within that very short reign... The reign was... Um, actually, just, th- just looking back, I think the reign was around. Nine days! I think it was. Yeah. It was? Yeah. Within those nine days, you got the big match between all the baby faces and all the ways that spins off, and you got your little WrestleMania face-off that now can't happen again. That was There was one window of opportunity, and they took it, and yeah. now the belts are gone. And I'd quite like it if Cody especially would love to go back to SmackDown and think, oh, I need to do that stare down with Roman again. He kind of got the better of me last week. He made me feel small and made me think about WrestleMania. And now he can't. Now he's... Well, t- aside from the one night of the year. He could just go if he wants. And I know he could just go. He could and just I, go and to SmackDown if he wants. No, no, it's not the one night of the year where the uh, stars from both brands collide. Yeah, but like, so he could it. just... Wait for Survivor Series. He could just go to SmackDown if he wants, like he did last week. I'm not being funny, right? And I am pedantic. And that's kind of in my nature. If we are going to throw around hyperbolic words and talk about this red-hot, white-hot, like, new renaissance Mm. of WWE, it is time to hold them to higher standards. It is absolutely the time now. It was pointless doing so under Vince McMahon and the absolute horrors of his, like, last years in creative. There was just no point. I, you know, I said that we should... There's never been a company with more resources with which to do wrestling in this incredibly extravagant, well-produced... Like, the amount of great writing talent they could have hired to plot these intricate stories. They never did it. And I was always... I always felt like that lone voice of saying, well, we probably should hold the market leader with all this extravagant wealth to a a really high standard. We can now do that. And Mm. this draft stuff pisses me off to no end. (laughs) People should bury this. They shouldn't just accept it. I think the more, like, so Jay, so, like, here's me, like, I'm not picking apart that. I'm saying I'm, I actually agree with Sidgwick here. Like, I do want to hold WWE to a higher standard because I've been enjoying it more. So they, I wouldn't want them to now just lean on the draft as a as a thing that everybody randomly accepts until they don't. I think there was a, I think you could make a, I was gonna say a business case there. There was a reason why I think Jimmy Uso turned up tonight, which we'll get to. I don't want to see Jay Uso just rock back up no. on SmackDown. Cody and Jay were there to defend the titles. I can accept that in, in kayfabe and in storyline. Now, they probably just shouldn't be on SmackDown, otherwise it does do away with just, this, like this premise that is held together by the idea that Jay Uso is in a different locker room. Yeah. And all the things that spin off of that, does start to fall away if he then just every other week he's turned up on SmackDown. So I would like to see them 
adhere to that. Maybe like the dual general managers thing is part of that, perhaps. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. But I, I totally with Sidgwick, like, absolutely hold them to this and pick on it when they don't follow their own rules. It's not just this Cody and Jay going to SmackDown to defend the titles, mm. which are ostensibly cross-brand or whatever. Like, Eddie and I just turning up on Raw yeah. to have matches in the Miz. Like, I've had to hear, like, sentiments to the, to the like, along the lines of, this company is just doing storytelling right. And I've had to have them listen to or read excerpts from the worst bad faith actors. Well, if you're going to work with them, I don't, even, yeah, <laughs> I don't even follow them. I just see other people who I hold in high regard, who I do follow on social media, quote tweeting them or whatever. It's, what I'm saying is that it's inescapable. This idea that Triple H is the reincarnation of William Shakespeare or, you know, Martin Scorsese. I've had to read it all year. And if they can't get the fundamental tenets of storytelling where you create rules and adhere to them so that you can invest and not ask really probing questions about how stupid it is. If I can't do that, then I shouldn't have to read people like just doing cartwheels over this majestic storytelling, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, let's get into the show. Uh, it opened up with Sami Zayn coming out and a, a change in commentary. Um, no Michael Cole. It was Wade Barrett and... Oh, God. Sorry, guys. It's mad how someone in... Sorry. It's mad how someone in WWE having a day off is a new story. I said this the other week, like, we shouldn't really be lionising just two days off in 25 years. That's psychotic. Yes. <laughs> go, just go take a break. <laughs> so let them have a fortnight. Yeah, actually. Sorry, guys. Wasn't um, wasn't Michael Cole? I can't wait, Barrett. Kevin Patrick, uh, who uh, stood in <laughs> for him. Sammy Day comes out. He's got a Kevin Owens shirt on, of course. Uh, he welcomes us to the uh, season premiere. He says, oh, "A little bit weird being out here all by myself." Um, his brother, his partner, he's been moved to SmackDown. Very sad that the partnership's ended that way. He's excited for Owens, though, because he knows he's going to do huge things on SmackDown. He's excited for himself, too, because uh, he's got the chance to stand on his own two feet and show everyone he was World Heavyweight Championship level. Um, and, uh, well, he's got lots to talk about. He actually uh, asked to address the elephant in the room. Oh, Nelly. Um, yeah, well, says, where, where is she? We're on video, remember? Just, uh, just about Over there. Thank you. Yeah. Some nuts. Um, <laughs> says the reason KO's <laughs> You're gone... You're obsessed with him these days. It's because of Jey Uso being here. And he said, look, I was really, really happy and excited that Jey Uso got moved to Raw, but I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it as a result of that. Um, look, me and me and Kev hit the highest of highs at WrestleMania. And yet, after doing all that and being tag champs, it was all kind of tainted by the Judgment Day. Uh, and after all that hard work that they put in, it's now the Judgment Day. We're getting a, a tag title shot tonight. He says, I don't know what's next for me, uh, but this past year of my career has been by far the best, uh, and I reached those heights because of the fans. Um, but before he can go any further, he's interrupted by uh, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, and Dirty Dom, and of course, collectively, they're in the f***ing Judgment Day. Um... Finn Balor says, uh, Sami Zayn's all alone, basically. And Damien Priest says, oh, we've got loads of thorns in our sides. And one of them, Kevin Owens, has finally been removed. And now we're going to get rid of the, get rid of you, the tag team idiots. Uh, and actually Drew McIntyre. And he starts riding himself up. And Rhea's like, N forget about him for now. Focus on the tag titles. Dom tries to put over uh, Rhea Ripley, putting the women's division on notice tonight when she faces Shayna Baszler. He gets booed out of the building, of course. Uh, Ripley says Balor and Priest are going to bring the tag titles home. 
Uh, and Ripley says, but Sammy, you look a little lost. And we used to recruit the lost, but now we've got a different plan. Get rid of you permanently. And she goes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they surround the ring. There's four of them. There's four sides to a ring, but they leave one bit open. So Jey Uso can uh, run down with two steel chairs, slide in and chase off the Judgment Day. Um, but Sammy leaves not quite exactly on this on terms, let's say, with, with Jey Uso. Yeah. It's, it's straight afterwards was the Jey Uso and Sammy bit, wasn't it? Mm. Can we cover that as part of Sammy's opening? Yeah, salad, okay. Right? Yeah, so Jey Uso then catches up with Sammy in the back and it's like, everything all right? Because it, it, it seemed a bit off, basically, mm. uh, despite the fact they were unified and chasing off the Judgment Day. And Sammy's like, I just really need a moment because I know you made the save, but I just kind of think that that should have been Kev making the save, basically. And he's not here because of you. Um he says, look, I should be happy for you, everything you've got going for you. Um, you know, you're teaming with your friends, your tag champs, but I've got none of those things. Jay's like, well, you still got me. Um, but Sammy's just not happy, and, and Jay walks off. And then, quite possibly for the first time ever, that isn't just end of... Sammy's like, no, 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 actually, he really wound up. He shoves a ladder, chases after Jay, and apologizes. He says, look, I've had a bad week. I'm happy for you, though. Uh, and he says, I'm sorry, offers his hand, says, are we good? And Jay, who's so serious for a second, then he says, yeet! Uh, and they hug, and everything's good. I love a lovely moment. So I really liked all of Sami Zayn's work here, and then I loved it even more by the end of the night with how he was folded into somebody else's ongoing, like, sort of troubles with Jay Uso and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Sami Zayn was trusted with getting a lot across here. So obviously he was talking about how he feels to be separate again from Kevin Owens. And I thought that was interesting because f like in WWE now, and you know, as they should do really, it's always there to go back to, isn't it? That kind of like the conflicting relationships between him and Kevin Owens. I thought it was interesting that he mentioned the world title for the first time. Like oddly, Sami Zayn mentioning that he might want to fight for that title made it feel more credible a world title than it ever has around Seth Rollins' waist. Yeah, that's I got excited about him being a world, world heavyweight yeah, champion. That's not even a dig at Seth Rollins. That's just mm. this like feeling that Sami Zayn has tried and failed against Roman Reigns and the Roman Reigns problem is that there's kind of only one guy that feels credible enough to beat him and that's Cody Rhodes so what else do all of these other wrestlers do Sami Zayn even mentioning that he might want it actually made it feel aspirational mm. so maybe I've just been beaten down over time or for the first time ever a guy holding it like with Priest I guess makes you think oh maybe there is a chance for this belt I don't know but so I really like that and it was just it wasn't thrown away but it was just it's not for now, it's for down the line. And then, yeah, the follow-up to your point about Sami Zayn always feels real. So the idea that, uh, I'm just going to deal with this right now, it's on my mind. I acted one way, but I can also act another way because people are complex. Yeah. And they don't just have to be this one thing at one time in one story and nothing else matters. Sami Zayn's a very believable man to put that sort of stuff over. So I was kind of glad they addressed that straight away. Mm. Not least because of what we got out of him later, which I thought was absolutely tremendous. Um, but uh, Sami Zayn as a singles figure on Raw fantastic start like as, a, as far as a night one goes superb yeah this is really strong booking of Sami Zayn they've given the character a new motive they've not neglected the history and the continuity everything was folded together really quite fabulously um WWE deserves praise for making Sami Zayn feel like a serious like player again like the nuance of the relationship I can't believe I've just used that word in relation <laughs> to WWE Monday Night Raw was really quite strong they've got such a great chemistry and Sami just genuinely comes off because he is yeah i'm fairly certain you can never be sure they are mm -hmm. playing fictional characters on television and that is the most you ever know about them but even he could be a knob in real life but he comes across as this really sound upstanding guy on television so a lot of time for all of this one floor because it's me yeah um 
Damien Priest, when the Judgment Day were doing their sort of walk down to the ring and about to do the beat down, Damien Priest out loud all but hung a lantern on the idea that it's a bit much. It's Judgment Day versus Cody Squadron every single week. And he said, it feels like we're doing it every single week. Right, if you've identified that as a problem enough to lampshade it, let's see something a bit different over the coming weeks and months because that main event, spoiler alert, I was just pretty bored and uninspired by just how familiar everything was. Yeah, that's they were cheeky there as well, because it's Damien Priest effectively, say, not just that, not just saying, yeah, we've done this quite a lot, we need to do something else, but him as a character saying, sort of bored of different day business, I want to be the world champion. Yeah. So they're treating it as a character choice, but you're right. Like, typically, this is Kevin Owens' job, isn't it? This whole universe is stupid, and I'm the only one that realises. <laughs> Damien Priest kind of slotted into that this week, didn't yeah. It? So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, in amongst all this, by the way, there was a, a pre-tape promo from Shinsuke saying he was going to squash or smash Ricochet like a bug. So then we got the Falls Count Anywhere match between Nakamura and Ricochet. Pleasantly surprised by this, I've got to say. Uh, Ricochet immediately attacks Shinsuke whilst he's doing his snazzy entrance because he's pissed off at him. Uh, there's a reverse exploder in the ring for a two count, and then Ricochet comes back with a big twisting flip dive once Nakamura's on the outside, and they fight up in the stage, fighting to gorilla position. <laughs> and there was a bit where... Fighting in Gorilla, and he like does a nice cool roll over the ref and hits him like hits uh, Shinsuke with a knee. And Shane Helms is there. Did you catch this where he said, "Stand back, Hurricane." There's a ricochet coming through. So. God, I hate, I hate, <laughs> I, I just hate. I thought it's the best ricochets looked. You've booked this match around the strengths of the character, and it's pretty exhilarating for the most part. And then. Make him a dork, thanks. But then I immediately <laughs> forgot that because he did the running up the Titantron and hitting yeah. a shooting, standing shooting star press, which was just... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Awesome. Um, we go to a break. When we come back, they're fine in the crowd, and then, bloody hell, ricochets. Uh, the big like entrance, you know, the, the railings and what have you, and Shinsuke's on the floor surrounded by just security people. <laughs> Uh, and Ricochet sort of goes along, shimmies along the railing with the help of a fan and hits this preposterous shoot, shooting star press. I put over the oh WWE, yeah, I put oh over the WWE camera work the other day for the uh, Roman Reigns in LA Night sunglasses. Mm. That shot... It's like he's in his sights. That's it. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that shot, I mean, it should be in the, the, the opening video next week from like underneath looking into the arena. From they, the, do you remember they did that recently with Kevin Owens, I think it was, in the tag, you know, the arena-wide tag yeah. that Simon had? Oh. Like, it's obviously their new thing. It's a fantastic shot when your building's full. Like, it, it occurred to me that, like, well, you've got a crowd to shoot that reacting to the thing. Catch that instead of the move, because not that the move isn't amazing, but that's the bit you've seen yeah. before. Yeah. Take advantage now while there's people in the seat. Looked awesome, that. Um, they fight back to ringside. <laughs> was it me, or... Did Shinsuke go under the ring, get nunchucks, and then they played like a sound effect? Yeah, yeah that, that happened. Uh, so he hits Ricochet. Remember the throwback to Ricochet himself? And remember the first time he got the pew pew pew? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because he's a yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Ricochet fights back, puts Nakamura on the table. Nakamura moves. Uh, he hits a GTS. So another clue there. It's <sighs> a so work, mate. He's coming. Uh, Ricochet. If it is Punk. a work. Punk better not work Nakamura because Punk just went to number three in terms of best go to sleeps. <laughs> Nakamura's is miles better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricochet blocks the Kinshasa, hits an Integuri, and a springboard 450 splash for a two count. That looked awesome as well. Uh, but then he goes up top, and Nakamura knocks him off the top rope. He spills to the outside, 
bursts through the table that's been set up out there uh, and oh, just struggles to his feet to turn around into another huge Kinshasa from Nakamura who gets the one, two, three. Love this. I had such low expectations for this because I cannot be asked with weapons matches anymore. And helpfully, this was, oh, Ricochet's body is the weapon. Like, this was far better than it had any right to be because it was just really well laid out, really well agented. I've seen enough last man standing and no disqualification matches to last me a lifetime, but you just simply take Ricochet out of the environment he's in and he's as electrifying anywhere else. You know those videos when he's in, like, his gym sometimes and he does a backflip off, a, like, one of them vaulting horse things? It's like, Mike, your body is, like, can do freakish things and yet they hire him in a headlock match on television. <laughs> this... Like, of course, it should have been great. Force count any war was the right stipulation. I was wrong to think that this would just be a weapons brawl. A total over-delivery, uh, which I shouldn't be saying about a ricochet match, but it was a total over-delivery. And a bit of credit to them for putting just enough spice in the, the run-up to it. Ricochet's had this little issue with Nakamura, so it didn't feel fake. It didn't mm. feel like, oh, we're just throwing him out there because he's the flippy guy and we're going to put him in cool positions in the building. This felt like the... Uh, acceptable level blow-off to a, a TV feud. It's, it's a Triple H plotting success story, this one, I think. Is this a Triple H matchmaking success story? There was a bit of the Tony Khan magic here. People will not like that, but I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Why Tony Khan is such a good matchmaker is that I would say about eight times out of ten, he knows who in his roster will have chemistry with another wrestler mm. and then often puts those together to make a really cool match. Like the the example that comes closest to mind is Roddy Strong versus Chris Jericho. Mm. Falls count yeah. anywhere again where you have this relentless ass kicking machine versus this guy who's awesome at like showing ass and running away and open the door and crack a joke. Yeah like being everywhere a coward. So it was like uh, just this relentless ass kicking machine chasing Chris Jericho, who's great at being this ass-showing coward, around an arena with some really good comic set pieces and some great violence as well. Like, you can't do a Ricochet Falls Count Everywhere match every week. Mm. But I was thinking, can you not just do this every week? Because <laughs> Ricochet, in that heavily agented, patterned WWE main roster style, just does not get over. Like, I'm not saying that isn't a huge amount of substance to his work, but if there is, he's not really shown it to me on that main roster because when he's not allowed to go hog PWG wild, mm. I'm a little bit underwhelmed because you know what he can do, but WWE doesn't really encourage its talents to go that crazy. Here, Ricochet went that crazy, and it was blistering, like a pulsating yeah. experience to watch. Um, I was very low on this because I just felt it was so late 2010s fashionable. And we're in 2023 now, and I was just a bit bored at the prospect. But my God, great, great marriage of performers and stipulation here. I, I was really, really, really into with into this. It made me sad that they didn't show a little bit more the flex like this when they had the Logan Paul match. Because that was a real disappointment, yeah. considering it felt like Ricochet's moment and then made it a blood feud. Ricochet could have lost this match against Logan Paul, and he'd have actually got over as a result of that <laughs> program. But they could have let in his big stadium as well against a guy like Paul, who probably wants to level up and do something similar. They could have made a capital M moment out of that match, and they didn't really. This mm. was probably this this was was better, better, more this memorable. Was this yeah. was better. Um, so we were going to get the Natalia Piper Niven match that they got set up last week. Before that, though, uh, there's um, Piper Niven and Chelsea Green backstage with Tegan Knox and. Uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chance and Nikki Cross being, well, Nikki Cross. Um, and Green's getting into it with Knox, taking the piss out of the fact she lost the title match last week. Uh, and she's like, well, yeah, you're not, you're not 
know, you and Natalia is supposedly friends, but you're not real friends. She's like, you literally got forced into a taxi with Bybin because she told you I had to. Uh, she gets into it, basically, and... Uh, yeah, it, it just sets up the Piper Niven match in a second. You and sound, what was about to head? You sound thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> Something nothing, I think, is the nicest thing I can say about that. Yeah. Uh, because then it was time for Piper Niven and Natalia. Um, back and forth stuff, you know, Natalia having to avoid Piper Niven's power. At one point, Natalia's slamming Piper's head into the turnbuckle, but she's on the apron and uh, Piper Niven counters her and hip attacks her off the apron. When we come back, uh, Niven goes for that basement crossbody. She misses. Natalia hits the discus lariat for two. Um, but as she goes to follow up, I think with a sharpshooter, Chelsea Green causes a distraction and that allows Piper Niven to recover, hit the running crossbody, get the one, two, three. They put the boots to um, Natalia after the match, but Huga runs out to make the save, but Tegan knocks. Where could this all possibly be heading? Well, it's obviously going to the tag match, isn't it? I like Piper Niven wrestling, and I don't think we've seen a lot of it since she came into this role because of the Kiriopity tag belts and the curse and all of that. Yeah. Um, so it was quite nice to see Piper Niven back. I do not get still what we're doing here with Natalia. I don't want to just pin it all on her as a performer because I think they've been quite grey with the motivation. You know this whole thing where you kind of... I know in kayfabe, you're not supposed to know if Tegan Knox can trust her or not. But we as viewers are kind of supposed to know. There should be a little clue here or there if down the line... You know, this isn't... Not to be disrespectful, this isn't like Adam Cole and MJF where the world awaits to see who's going to mm. screw over who here. This is very much right. Like, is Natalia quite bitter and is going to take that out on Tegan Knox, or can Tegan Knox just trust her as a legend? There's also all these other figures in the women's division that had nothing going on that are now suspiciously around Natalia all the time. Like, should we be seeing her as, like, trying to set up some sort of stable of people? I don't get her. So when she's inserted into this role as a plucky underdog babyface, getting her ass kicked by Piper Niven, that doesn't really jive with what mm. we've seen on television over the last few weeks, and I don't know if that's just down to... Her inability to pull off a character they're asking her to do or them not being particularly creative with the character they're giving her. I'm going to let this play out, but there's nowhere near enough time and investment into any of these characters to make you feel much for it at the moment. Mm. I cannot believe you spoke that long about this. <laughs> <laughs> I have no thought. Who cares? Um, Priest and Balor are backstage. I'm trying. Um, Priest, <laughs> in the mirror. Priest really enjoyed J.D. McDonough getting his head kicked in last week, but also... Really wants to fight Drew McIntyre because of what he did last week as well. Uh, and they're like, we should go and kick his ass. Balor agrees. And then, I, did, I don't know why this popped me so much. So you're, you're Priest and Balor, right? And they're like, yeah, 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 let's, let's kick his ass. Hey, guys, uh, Rhea Ripley he just popped up. He didn't walk into frame. He's just trying to pop the boys, I think. He, uh, he says, uh, uh, I just think you'll find Rhea said we should leave him alone. Uh, and then she walks in. She's been on the, on the phone. Priest's like, a lot of calls for you recently. And uh, she says, yeah, I've been handling uh, business. And uh, Dom's like, Mammy, do you need me at ringside? She's like, no. Uh, I'm just going to remind everyone why Mammy's always on top. Uh, and we're going to remind everyone on Raw who runs it, basically. WWE has a tendency to lean on comedy when it's got a writer's room full of people that can't really write jokes. Yeah. I would say with the Judgment Day, they're just about getting this right in the way they've shifted the dynamic. For, for months, it was Judgment Day runs raw. None of us are the boss. That's why we're so great. We're not like the bloodline. Like This dynamic shift of, no, things are going wrong, so we have a boss now and it's Rhea Ripley, yeah. I think has really, really helped. When they're doing the comedy stuff, and it is uh, Finn Balor, because he's shown his comedic chops in this group, but Finn Balor and Dominic Mysterio, this fits when Rhea's the boss because she's like the, right, enough pissing about serious business. Yeah. Like, we need to win the belts back. You can do both. I think that works far better. They've pivoted with her at the right time, and 
I think that, again, maybe that's just because I'm a fed head, but I do feel like that's how you can now get away with the silliness is because it's okay to do daft, and then the boss walks in, it's like, right, there's actual serious business to attend to. Bloodline did it. Like when Jay and, uh, sorry, when Jimmy and Sammy were getting along and then Roman were walking around, it's like, right, we'll be steady serious now. Like that's how you measured it. And I think they're getting this right here mm. as well. Gentle WWE comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not laughing, I'm a, huh. I'm, not, I'm not laughing. <laughs> are, you, are you doing the old, not even, no, no, I'm, not just even watch, I'm just watching it. <laughs> I'm just watching it. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, following that, here comes uh, Seth Rollins. Um, he's got the, the song. They're all singing my song. Suck my cock. They used to suck my cock. Except when there was no one. And then nobody could. <laughs> There's no one could suck my cock in um, March 2020. The lockdown on cock down. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the, he's got the silly sunglasses on. He looks like your man from Star Trek. That one, innit? Um, it looked like when the papers try and censor someone's identity. It's like, <laughs> that's Seth Rollins. <laughs> so he, he recapped what happened last week, obviously. He calls out Drew, uh, who comes down, who says, oh, I'm not going to babysit you for the next few weeks, half for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's, Rollins like, I can handle my own business, uh, but uh, could you handle your own business, or have you enlisted some help? 
like, what are you talking about? And he shows footage that we saw. Uh, someone's there's something's happening in the foreground, and then in the background you see Drew McIntyre being spoken to or speaking to Rhea Ripley. And uh, Ron's like, what's going on there then? And McIntyre says, I'm not a thirsty creep like Jay Uso. I like the fact he still gets a dig yep. on Jay when this has nothing to do with him. <laughs> Love this, Drew. Yeah. Uh, she says, look, uh, Ripley came to me, and what we were discussing is, well, none of your business. Uh, you just need to worry about defending your title. Um, and Ron says, well, no one's taking the title from me, especially not you. Uh, I know the last few years have kind of messed you up. You've had big matches that have ended in failures for you, and you're afraid of failing again, so maybe you're enlisting the help of the Judgment Day. Uh, McIntyre's like, you sound a bit rattled there. You should be rattled, because last time we had a world title match, I kicked your ass. Uh, when was that? That was... Um Oh, is WrestleMania Backlash or just Backlash? It was in the Panda. It was actually very good. And then Seth came out on Raw the next night looking like, oh, Jesus, it's the end of my life. And then it was like, good news, you're going to be a dad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. shook hands. Like, the match was genuinely yeah. good. And it was like, is Seth turning babyface? And then he was cruel than ever and tried to take Ray's eye out. It was a pandemic. Stuff yeah. Just oh, stuff just God. happened. <laughs> good match, though. Surprisingly so. <laughs> it was Seth and Drew. Um, and McIntyre's like, yeah, the reason why I keep losing is because of bloody bloodline stuff. Uh, Ron's like, get over it. And McIntyre says, look, look, you, I know you're living your dream right now. The fans are seeing your song. Uh, you know, fans. there was a time when, when I wanted that too. And I achieved my dream and beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes at WrestleMania to win the world title. And nobody was there. Uh, obviously, it was a tough time for the company. It's worldwide. <laughs> well, Make your size with the baby face. It's true, just get all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, look, it was a tough time for everyone. Worldwide pandemic. Uh, and the company needed someone to step up. And I stepped up. Um, then he thought, you know, thought, but, but then he thought the moment had passed, but he got a second chance. 50,000 people, Roman Reigns in the UK, and the bloodline screwed him over. Um, he wasn't over it. And uh, he says, look, I've got a third chance now, and you're going to have to reinvent yourself for the 53rd time. That was a nice line. I like that. Uh, mm. When I beat you to win the title at Crown Jewel. Uh, Ron's like, look, I know what you're going through. I know how hard it is to get back to the top of the mountain. It took me four years of scratching and clawing to get Ugh. back to the top. <laughs> but all I'm hearing from you is excuses, Drew. Uh, I'm going to beat you at uh, Crown Jewel, and it's going to be the best thing to ever happen to you because for the first time in a long time, you're going to have no one to blame but yourself. Like another really good week for Drew, and it gets better on this show. Um, I kind of love this feud, even though... I've got limited expectations for the match. I know we've just said they had a good one in the pandemic, so there's no reason why they shouldn't yeah. have another good one in a full stadium. But It is Seth. It is Seth. It is Seth and it is Drew. So you just don't know when the bell rings. But I really, really like this build. Like, you've got a believable... The Triple H background... Oh, something's going on over there. Has got has had a mixed history so mm. far, should we say. But for something to happen last week and an intelligent babyface champion to be like, that's my challenger. I need to address this at the earliest opportunity. And him doing so validates mm -hmm. the idea. As long as wrestlers aren't dumb enough to not be watching, hang on, it's been six weeks in a row now that you're speaking backstage with so-and-so, I should probably do something about that. Like, Seth's on it straight away. Mm -hmm. So that gives him a little bit of credibility. And then for Drew to say, well, A, yeah, it is none of your business. But if you must know, she came up to me. So now we have this idea that Rhea Ripley's trying to pull a number of different strings, including with Drew McIntyre, that allows you to... I'm just asking questions of Drew McIntyre, which is going to make him more cynical to us, the viewer, etc. And Seth have this doubt, not that he can beat Drew, but that other forces might be working against him. I think is exactly what this type of match needs. It's uh, It should probably be a one and done. 
Seth should probably win, and you would think Drew, a heel on the on the rise, would suffer through this, but no, this is clearly just the, the start of that turn, the furthering of Drew's frustration is that he's going to feel like he's been screwed again, but this time he hasn't really, and he'll have no one to blame but himself. There's, yeah, there's easy. There's a fun bit of fantasy booking you could easily do with this, which is they have a really fun match in Crown Jewel, and, uh, you know, I know, I know it's... It isn't. It isn't a legitimate move. We saw this with Drew McIntyre itself. Maybe Seth out of nowhere just backslides Drew one, two, three, and he's <laughs> like, "Oh God, I, you, I broke your back. I had you beat here." He snaps, kicks his AS. Damien Priest immediately runs down and cashes in, and everyone could go, "Well, so the Judgment Day have told you that if you lose, just kick his ass. Damien Priest will cash in, and then we'll give you the first rematch." Drew could be like, "No, no, no I just kicked his ass because I was pissed off." And he'd have another time to say, and somebody else took my moment. Yeah. Like he'd be raging again. And you'd kind of be like, oh, he's right again. <laughs> I, I hate him, but he's right. Like they keep I doing this Drew, Drew character right now. I think Hamlet's covered this segment um, in and of itself, but just a general point like, oh, I wish I was into this. <laughs> <laughs> All of it, because the amount of hooks the Fed is dropping. Mm for week-to-week investment into engage and enthuse their fan base. It's like, I can't comprehend how well they are doing this for their base. I mean, look at Hamflin. Look at his face. Fed, man. <laughs> he absolutely loves the Fed. It's his favorite thing. I wish it was WrestleMania now. I can, can we not just get there? When was the last time you felt like this? That next week you actually... Like looking forward to it. Yeah. You don't know where it's going to go. You've got some ideas. You've just laid out elegantly a lot of directions that they could feasibly take. You are energized. Oh, yeah. You are gripped. It's like 2022 was optimism without any kind of proof and evidence. Yeah. I would say, like those bloodline segments with the t shirt and stuff, you're like, this is really good the stuff. T shirt bloodline stuff yeah. is class. And then the turn of the year when you just, they were like making so many cool moves heading into WrestleMania. From there, pretty much, it's, it feels easy to like make a clean line and say 2023 because it probably took. In good terms s- of raw, I, I've not not felt like this. 23 years. I, I know. Ever, I know yeah. the answer. 23 years. That's why. Why did I keep watching? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, 23 years. <laughs> it's funny you should say 2000 and 23 years past that point because this has got that storyboarded yep. intricacy. Like, I don't think it's as entertaining personally. Um, it's just not that aligned to my taste, but I can view this objectively is this thing from the evidence that is you, <laughs> that it's just, I don't know where these stories are going. Yeah. Like the amount of times, like look at Dynamite last week. I'm going to bury it in a comparative exercise for once, right? I saw that opening match between Swerve and Danielson, and I saw the finish, and it just instantly, as well as I thought they uh, Jay White and Hangman Page worked their match, I instantly knew that Swerve Strickland was going to come out and equalize the odds. That was the most basic, predictable, get on with it bit of booking I've seen from AEW in forever, mm. to the point where it almost spoiled the two big best matches on Title Tuesday for me. I'm looking at this, and I've got an idea of what could feasibly happen, but not the order, not the when, and so much stuff. I'm going to use the word dovetails across mm. itself. That I just, if I was into the presentation style of WWE, I'd be like you. I'd be absolutely cock a hoop. Yeah, it's like there's so many multi dimensional characters right now. Let's not go absolutely nuts. But like there's at at least four or five characters that have multiple motivations. Yes. Like Drew, Sammy, Jay, Damien Priest. 
I would say at the moment they're, as well. They're, they're, they're for me, they're still a gang of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the briefcase, maybe that I'm using that as a bit of a shortcut, but that's what it is, you know. Mm. But I like the now with Owens, you would assume over on SmackDown, Cody. That I've said this for a while. There are a list of guys that every week is like, right, what are they doing? What yeah. are they doing? And even like, even when Gunther kind of works these little individual stories, that feeds the biggest story. He is unstoppable. Same with Roman Reigns when he does actually show up. So even the guys that aren't getting the, the week to week to week. It's still there. It still exists, and they're not. They're never forgotten about. Santos Escobar. Even. Yeah, Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio. It's a like it is a thriving roster full of people that feel like they have purpose and objectives, and I, I love that because like that, a reason for being there. Yeah. And and as well to go back to what we've always said about AEW when we were like, especially like in love with the rankings and things like that. Most of it does center around trying to get back to the title. Yeah. You fall into personal disputes en route to trying to win the belt. And that does feel like where like where most of these characters are rooted in is ultimately like Cody's is right back to winning the belt at WrestleMania. Drew's is getting it because he needs his moment. Jay is trying to become a single star because he fell this short against Roman. It's still about winning titles, mm-hmm. you know, it's which is where it should always go back to. It's Kresge-esque without that fun factor for me. It's I don't know if you'll ever get that again because it was like pop culture as well. WWE can never be true pop culture anymore, can it? It's not be that fun. Although the buildings are set, like enough people within it. Again, it's base. I think it's like, it's satisfying it's base, but the base just felt everybody. To yeah. the point where I resented the base, actually, because it's like, <laughs> why are you talking about wrestling? Because you're going to disappear again in two years. I know how this works. And they did. I, I've had a boom and bust. And they did. Yeah. And they did. Uh, get a nice video package, hyping up Bronson Reed ahead of the big lads are battling later and then they talk about Logan Paul of course who uh, defeated Dylan Dennis uh, at the weekend and then challenged Rey Mysterio for the US title um, because America and God bless the United States Um, and there was a clip of Rey Mysterio on some other show saying yep look forward to hearing from him on Smackdown I'm glad we've just done away with any kind of question over this and have finally accepted that boxing's a bigger work than wrestling ever was yes thank you we've got there then it was time for Johnny Gargano versus Ludwig Kaiser. Skip. What a great time for Johnny Gargano, is it? No, he's Johnny Gentleman's three these days. <laughs> he is. Get it on a t-shirt. Aye. Johnny three star. Vinci almost cost Kaiser, but he helped Skip means skip. End. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all that, it's that time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Braden P. in Salem, Oregon. Uh, If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related, you can do just like Braden has and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. Screenshot it. We need the proof. And email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But uh, Braden, on Apple Podcasts, right, I I first discovered the What Culture Wrestling channel through ups and downs with Simon Miller. I love everything about these podcasts. The Daddy Boys brighten my day with their previews. Their impressions get me laughing every time. The Undertaker, Triple H, uh, Tony Khan, Tony D, Stax. Tony Khan. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany (laughs) Tiffany Stratton, the... Tiffany Stratton. Uh, The corrupted and typical New Yorkers. I love them all. I also... That's me. (laughs) I also love... Podcasting here. (laughs) Oh, you <laughs> nah, you're kind of terrible, it, man. He might be here later on. You kind of, yeah. you know what it gets like. Uh, I also love the fact that they can't say they can't say any NXT PLE titles without the accompanying joke, such as the great American players. And God bless the United States. NXT Battleground. You're grounded. Battleground. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and of course, <laughs> stick with me. Ecstasy break breaking, dude. Oh, bro, it's just like, dude, you get the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. And you just drop in and just smack the lip. Drop down. Snap. And then after that, you just drop in. You just ride the barrel and get pitted. So pitted like that. I forgot how long that one was. On YouTube, this man. <laughs> nah, I know. Uh, we'll be dragged into a meeting about retention. <laughs> Five-star review review as a teen Ida crush on WWE Divas champion Candice Michelle. Uh, if you're able to review something from a time at WWE, that would be appreciated. Thank you all for a great podcast. Thank you, Braden, for that review. Thank you for the review. Thank you, Thank you very much. much for the review. I'm, I'm scared now. Well, I, I thought I'd look into, uh, I'll just you know, type into YouTube, Candice Michelle. Let's just see what... What the top result is. Well, 8.4 million views. Candice Michelle versus Molina in a pudding match. Uh, Michael Havlin, take us back to June 2007. What's going on here? Right. Uh, over WrestleMania, Candice Michelle was that year's uh, Playboy pictorial in WWE. Uh, Molina was none too pleased about it. And this is where WWE just WWEs it because... Like, kind of like, well, what's your problem? Like, I deserve as much <laughs> as anybody. And he's like, no, I'm the women's champion. Surely you should pick the champion. And Candice Michelle's like, well, so what? Like, I'm going to win that belt. I'm going to defeat you in that, like, big match we're going to have for the title. And he's like, you're on. Pudding match. <laughs> like, uh, that's where the credibility falls away a little bit. Yeah, basically, everything, as you're probably brutally aware, everything involving women in WWE in this period of time basically existed so that Jerry Lawler could look like John Voight when he looks at J-Lo playing with her hair in Anaconda. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember the uh, 2007 One Night Stand pay-per-view, Sige? Nope. It's time to play the game! Time to play time the to play game! game. Who was on the card? Have you <sighs> seen this, by the way? Nah, I forgot to have a look. Okay, great, that works. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you right now, Dark Match was uh, Santino Morella versus defeating Chris Masters. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the uh, ECW fans love that one. Well, speaking of ECW, was this not Lashley finally getting a bail back from Vince, from Durag Vince? Um, I can't, I can see. So wait. It, it was. Yeah. It was. I can't in remember the, right, Bang in the middle of the card. Right, yeah. Of course it was. Uh, opening match, Rob Van Dam versus... War, uh, Randy Orton Stretcher. Correct. Put Van Dam out for a bit. Uh, oh, God. It was uh, the new breed in action. Who were they facing? <sighs> it can't have been the originals again. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Marcus Corvon, Matt Stryker, and Elijah Burke versus the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Can I have a punker? And CM Punk. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, that a Singapore Canes match? Just a six-man tag team tables match that went seven minutes. God. Uh, it was a ladder match for the world tag team titles. Any idea who was in that? Oh, was this world's greatest tag team in the Hardys? It was. There was a spot in that match, and I, I think it was Shelton Benjamin, where they went for like a sunset flip or something, nearly fell flat on the 
fucking ass. <laughs> and then the camera's on Shelton going, Jesus Christ, bloody hell, that was close. He's just like giddy to have pulled the spot off rather than selling the match. Uh, a lumberjack match? Nah. Mark Henry and Kane. Jesus oh, Christ. Of course, of course. Uh, then it was Bobby Lashley uh, versus Mr. McMahon with uh, Shane McMahon and Umanga in mm-hmm. a, a street fight for the ECW uh, World title. Pudding match, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> for all the marbles. And Edge versus Batista in a steel cage match for the World Heavyweight title. It's not a game then. He didn't ask us a question. Uh, and what was the main <laughs> event of this show? Thank you. Uh, um, right. So what was the semi-main? Oh, I know what this is, so I'm not going to answer. Edge Batista in a steel cage match. you got to top that in the main Sigis event. This was good, man. <laughs> Um, Cena. It was WWE in 2007. It is John Cena. Yeah. Yeah. Cena yeah. versus Greg Holly. Yeah. Balls yes. Anywhere, oh, my God. Really oh, my God. Great. I cannot comprehend how great this match was. Yeah. All-time carry job from the Jonna. What a year he was having in Those 2007. Those aren't Anderson who laid it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, we're here ready for the, the pudding match. And JR says, King, we're going to have some dessert before our final two main events. Just a little pause here. And King, they've got one of those like inflatable pools, basically. And King goes, oh, baby, check that out. And you've seen this. It's just brown slop, isn't it? Yes. It's dis- it looks disgusting. What pudding is it meant to be? Chocolate ready, Breck? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but they've, they've squirted some squid cream and put a cherry on top and gone, that'll do, won't it? Yeah. Uh, JR just goes, pudding. <laughs> and King goes, pudding! You like pudding? Uh, like lyrics, <laughs> says, "I love it." That's no surprise. And then we get the announcement: the following is a divas pudding match being contested in a pool of pudding, won by pinfall of submission. Obviously, we've got to lay out the rules for this. Yeah. What are they pinning the shoulders to? The, the pudding. Yeah, <laughs> the, the floor of the pudding pot. And then there's a bloke in the crowd. Well, there's, two, there's, one, there's one bloke a little bit later with a sign straight out of the comment section just says, oh, I love pudding, me." Got the one where it was pudding. With holiday, yeah. holiday from Yorkshire, was it? Yeah. <laughs> there was no G, was there? But then there was the one. I love pudding. Pound pudding. the old pudding. Yeah. <laughs> there was one before that with a we want pudding sign that was kind of grubby. Oh, what have you been doing with that? They don't do it much compared, like compared to what those like secrets of pro wrestling revealed will have you believe. Like, there's not a lot of planted signs in like mainstream pro wrestling. I would believe those are planted signs. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were, would people Hang watch? On, you're believe- saying that people <laughs> wouldn't outwardly be perfect to the WWE show. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they took them. They took them. They made them. They, they made took them. them. So Candice Michelle does her entrance. King immediately ejaculates on commentary. <laughs> Bit all from inch. <laughs> and then uh, Candice Michelle, the big bowl of brown slop pudding, slop, and she does the like sexy finger of pudding and she eats and she immediately regrets it. I was thinking that as well. Like, obviously, she's trying to sell it, like, like trying to work it, trying to work this pudding match and like make the universe make sense. It's like, that looked gross. Yeah. 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 I'm assuming it was food safe. It, I mean, it was 2007. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, JR says, dessert never looks so unique. Uh, and oh um, <laughs> Melina Melina comes out smart, wearing goggles, because this match deteriorated fast. Nothing on the performers, but 
I mean, they couldn't barely move or see anything in this after about 10 seconds. I was going to say, like, it's not like the pudding was transparent. Once you had the pudding over, God was like, I can't see. Off, <laughs> yeah. they, off they come. <laughs> All right. uh, and, yeah, King's putting over the fact that she's clever to I'm wear scared. goggles. I'm and scared of these comments. Mm. JR says, it's the first time you've ever looked at her eyes. Yep, because he's probably looking. If you if you miss that oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. comments section, because he's probably always looking at her tits or ass. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So ref calls for the bell, and Candice just throws her in. Melina takes a flip bump into there, and King says the proof is in the pudding, and so's Melina. Oh, he must have been working on that line for a while. Um, there's some. I'm not going to reference it. Some problematic references on commentary. Uh, Jr. asks if Florida Championship Wrestling ever had matches like this. Hamlet. Uh, probably much worse, in fact, it being John Laurinaitis' territory. Mm. Read some pretty awful stories in a pretty great book. Oh, thank you. You went there to look at the beach babes. Yeah. That's why they set up in Florida. Um, Speaking of pudding, where was the uh, ice cream in the ass match? Was that Deep South? <laughs> Jelly Donut. Jelly Donut that was, in the that ass. That was Deep South Wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Was it get out of training? If you Get out of training if you demean and debase yourself by having a... Uh, Naked ass jelly donut stink face done to you. Thanks, build them up. Thanks, build them up. Um, the commentary is a little bit confused as to whether we used to build them up just to knock them all down. Very good. <laughs> Funnier the longer you think about it, actually. <laughs> Started good and it gets better. Uh, the commentary team aren't, aren't sure whether or not a pinball counts outside of the pudding. <laughs> Do people know that word outside of the North? Um, the fans, the fans get a little bit of a surprise. They get pudding thrown at them. It's not bad at all, lad. I'm genuinely sure. That's good gear. That is. That, like, is, that's good. Good. that is good <laughs> wordplay. Stick, stick that on your type five. <laughs> uh, Candice spears Molina back into the pool. <laughs> it's just because you don't hear it much anymore. Do you? It feels like an old man down the pub word that. <laughs> Uh, King always practices safe eating because he uses condiments. Yeah, gross. Uh, JR says they both need a good hard shower, these two. Oh, <laughs> oh God, Jim. Oh, God. And, uh, like, what you've always said, Sid, like, he was always cast as the pearl clutcher of the team because Jerry Lawler was just that gross. Jerry Lawler was the second horniest <laughs> yeah. attitude era commentator. Recontextualized through JR's Twitter likes, that's grosser than it ever could have been, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh, he's treating himself to a gag. That's not what Jim's really like. Shows what you know. Shows what you know. Lighten up, Francis. Now, I know we're not in America, but I was always in the impression, like, if you were going to be like, oh, you know what you need to do, Hamlet? You need to call 1-800-CRISPS because you bloody love crisps, you. Yeah. Or like 1-800-MIX-A-LOT, for mm -hmm. example. <laughs> King loses it all. Yeah, I think he just gets distracted by the action. He goes, oh, if you've got your phone, I need to dial 1-800. I wish I was in there with them in the pudding. <laughs> that doesn't work. Uh, there's a point where they... The blood's no longer in his brain, is it? <laughs> <laughs> there's a point where they literally don't know who's who because they're just coated in yeah. this brown, viscous liquid. <laughs> I think King... Uh, JR actually says that the... The, the viscosity after a deadly pudding DDT at one point. Looks like cement. <laughs> Meant. Meant. Uh, I think it's King who goes, oh, 
There you go, the goggles. I mean, anything could come off in this match. He's hideous, isn't he? Oh, I hate him, me. <laughs> I absolutely hate him. Hey, he pulls it back, though, because he says, WWE has the sexiest women on television, and they might be even sexier now they're covered in pudding. How's that pulling it back? He's pulling it off. He's not pulling it back. <laughs> Uh, He's still gross. Don't endorse him. The finish is uh, Candice Michelle attempting to drown Melina in pudding, and she submits Yeah, after about two minutes. Well, you know, she did try a DDT at one point, and have been forced to wrestle in pudding. Jim Ross, like voice of the fans, etc. There should have been a finish. Rips, rips <laughs> the, <laughs> he, doing? he rips the piss out of it. Yeah. DDT and a pudding. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> like, well, how can they win, Jim? Like, they never did. How can any of these women win? Yeah, that's, at a, all? that's the joint. Yeah. They never did. They never <laughs> did. And then, like, years later as well, when WWE were like, guys, we're Women's Revolution, can we move on from them f***ing <laughs> divas from that, that bygone era? <laughs> Ruining it for you. Ruin it for you, four horse women. We didn't tell them to get the pudding. They wanted to, if anything. <laughs> yeah. And then those poor women have got to do podcasts where it's like, they um, bought the pudding, <laughs> <laughs> they swam in it themselves. We tried our best. We were just doing what we were told. Now, an entire generation of corners worse than <laughs> When do they get to win? Uh, no, it's your company that you support. <laughs> the, so yeah, uh, Michelle McCool got to win because she married another person. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> yeah, don't take. Can I take care of you? That's what she says. A lot of sharks in this business. Now you're talking about a wrestling business. <laughs> I'm talking about basking ass. talking about a vacation business. <laughs> That's always business for me. <laughs> if you're basking, you're laying down on the couch. <laughs> Heartbreak kid, don't bask for nobody. We ask him what spells back and shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Candice Michelle wins. Uh, Maria tries to interview her. I think she's sort of like. Trying to keep her distance because she's coated in pudding. But then Melina chucks some pudding at her. Maria goes, I've had enough of this. Tackles her and they roll around in the pudding. And the ref gets pulled and they're all like, oh, yeah. And then Maria and Candice stand tall to close this moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, good news, bad news. The 8 point whatever million views video of this, we've shut the comments down. Ah, Cowards. But I found some more, obviously, so we're absolutely fine. Uh, we're fine, are we? <laughs> well, we're not. Uh, <laughs> well, we are now, because these do not reflect the views of the Dadly Boys, our producer, Adam Nicholas, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Um, you're in this now, Nicholas. Yeah. You're in, in the, the pudding. You're in the pudding <laughs> with us. Um, and guess what I found, Sage? The Holy Grail. Nathan. Oh, oh, I wish, I, wish I, was I was the pudding. I wish I was the referee. Oh. oh. You know, he's just got the exact same vantage point as you, just a little <laughs> bit yeah. closer. Yeah. Y he's simply watching and observing the action as you are. But it's a step up from inanimate objects. At least, like, the referee will have an, a life to lead. Yes. Rather than, like, I wish I was the pool. <laughs> pudding. <laughs> Immediately get splashed onto concrete. Oh, and I'm on concrete now. I want to be, be that bit of pudding. This has gone wrong again. <laughs> Um, <laughs> appropriate name here. Beauty is objective. <laughs> Writes, does anyone have an HD version of this? <laughs> uh, Brian. I'm sure they're doing like a, a, a 4K restoration yeah. over at the uh, Criterion <laughs> Collection. <laughs> 
for this absolute work of art from one of the most renowned auteurs. Get this in the get, it, get this in the Vegas. Sphere. Kevin Dunn. In the sphere. Broadcast it on the side of the sphere. Uh Brian. Just How many comments are left? Um three, four, five, six. So five. Five, okay. If he's doing this face when there's five left. No, just because I looked ahead and I know what's... Well, uh, Brian just writes, this is how I want to die when I reach all the age. Can we take you to Switzerland, Grandad? No, let's go get the pudding. (laughs) Get the pudding. Let's drown in some probably food-safe brown slop next to a woman. Given any thought by until eight years, was well, a matter of fact to commit them to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, dangerous rights. Will you lick my lollipop, love? <laughs> uh, Tanner says, "Oh, you want need your help with this one, Sige? Hiroshi, uh, <laughs> master of all styles." Yeah. Uh, I still remember when this happened. I used to tape WWE on a VHS and watch it after school. Let's just say I didn't re-record after this episode. Why wouldn't he? Just a big fan of One Night Stand, presumably. Oh, well, maybe well, the Car Lee. Maybe the Car Lee match. Well, he was probably really like the over-delivery from John Cena. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another one I actually need to help with. Um, from Father Tom, actually. Uh, who, who just writes, Oh, wow. So hot. <laughs> So much over the years has been emptied to her. <laughs> what's he? What's he mean by that? I, uh, does he set up his own pudding matches and then drain the pool of pudding? Is that unfortunately not? What? We'll read it again. Is this the last comment? No. How many more? <laughs> one more. One more. Okay. Um, oh wow! So hot. So much over the years has been emptied to her. Yeah, I think he's talking about come. Ah. That makes sense. And his balls, which were full, like, full to bursting point, clearly, of, of subsequently burst. <laughs> emptied. Yeah, emptied. <laughs> uh, last comment. Once again, not reflect views of anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, thanks again, Braden, for suggesting this. Yeah, thanks, Braden. Thanks, Braden. Uh, final comment comes from Gabby, who. Uh, just a few days ago. (laughs) 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 Right. I want to eat you all, mummy. Slurp. (laughs) Ah! Oh, God. Uh, Sorry. One more time, one more time. What did they say? Mm, I want to eat you all, mummy. Slurp. So he wants them all to be his mother mm-hmm. and then just drink them up. And <laughs> chocolate pudding. Looks delicious. Uh, so he wants to eat all of the slop because it's touched their bodies. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Back to Monday Night Raw. Please. So Ludwig Kaiser beat Gargano. Used to be reverse this, didn't we? We used yeah. to get away from Raw just to get into whatever the five-star review was. Yes. It's, it's flipped somehow. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, Kaiser beat Gargano with Vinci's help. Yeah, we said Skip. Uh... Almost, Vinci almost cost the guys of the match. Skip it, man. <laughs> but uh, he didn't. He helped him win in the end. Becky Lynch. He's into my lunch when you do this. Becky Lynch bumps into. Uh, yeah, put him. Huh? Yeah, put him. Nah. 
Sounds some chicken. <laughs> uh, Becky Lynch bumps into India Hartwell and Candice LeRae. Remember them? Um, Hartwell's like, oh, we keep giving everyone opportunities. When do I get a shot at the title? I never lost it. Becky Lynch says, oh, all right, I'll just talk to Postman Pierce and make it happen. Uh, and Hartwell's like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> instantly, instantly moved and proves. And there's a nice moment between Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley. Champ and champ. Yeah. Um, Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley was the match they were setting up last year, and then they changed their mind, didn't they? they did oh, a tease Charlotte Flair had a word ski. And, uh, <laughs> they did a tease of it earlier this year on Raw yeah. as well. Passing on the ramp, so I think it's, it looks big when yeah. they see them together. It's going to be good. Um, Drew approaches Sami Zayn in the back. Uh, he's furious that, obviously, he forgave Jay so easily. Uh, and he's like, hey, Zayn's like, you didn't eat, I agree with Seth, you need to put the bloodline in the past. Uh, look at what Jay's done to make everyone believe in him. Uh, McIntyre's the only one who didn't buy it. Um, McIntyre's like, well, I guess you don't understand because you've never been a world champion. Zane's like, oh, right, okay. Why don't we find out what level I am in a match against you next week? McIntyre accepts. Great. Looking forward to that next week. A terrific match to have right now where the characters are both at. But I just loved so much on this episode that these two were put together in this moment. Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn have basically had the same experience with the bloodline. But we've been introduced to Sami Zayn, the guy that is going to move past this and be virtuous as to, again, reveal the contrast to who Drew McIntyre is becoming. If there was anybody on Raw that should be like lecturing Drew about just getting over the bloodline and getting past this stupid gripe with Jay, so it's Sami Zayn. And they've just done it on the exact right way. I loved this interaction. Like... It's probably not the Drew feud, so it makes sense to book it on television. Um, but it did make me think, oh, they like they could have gone big with these two if they wanted. And the fact they don't need to is probably, to Cedric's point, showing you how many different moving pieces they've got to use. I'm usually, like, perplexed when Michael Hamflit will watch a run-of-the-mill little backstage <laughs> segment on Raw and write a thesis on it. <laughs> but this segment and this pairing was pretty tremendous. It makes Drew feel way more like the heel he is destined to become. And Sami Zayn just looks so much like a nicer, humbler baby face who can simply realize that the exact same thing has happened to both. But he has this ability to just knuckle down and work freaking hard and actually earn someone's support and be the nice like guy about it. Like, the exact same thing has happened to both of them and their divergent reactions help their arcs. Like, uh, it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> I hate it! <laughs> uh, before the match um, between Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler, Rhea says, uh, everyone wants a piece of Monday Night Mammy. Uh, Nia Jax came back just for a piece and that didn't work out well for her. Um, you know, everyone whilst, everyone whilst I've been away have been trying to prove how tough they are. Shayna, Nia, Raquel, all trying to prove that they're the baddest, but the reality is this is my division and Mammy will always be on top. Uh, and we get Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, Baszler uses her mat skills to take her down early on. Um, she takes her down by the arm, stomps on her. Uh, Ripley comes back with a spinning back elbow, and they just slug it out. Uh, Baszler hits a German suplex and a knee to the face for two, but Ripley fires back, um, hits a missile drop kick. Uh, Ripley goes for a rip tie, but they uh, get countered into a cross-arm breaker, which looked really good from Shayna Baszler. But Ripley then powers out of that to powerbomb her way out of trouble. Here comes Nia Jax, though. But uh, Raquel Rodriguez goes after her. Jax knocks her down. Then Zoe Stark flies in and hits Jax with a cannonball. 
Uh, Rodriguez chucks Starks into the ring, charges at Jax. Jax moves. She just goes flying into the steps. Starks kicks Ripley in amongst all this to cause the DQ. Ripley chucks Starks into Baszler. Um, Ripley challenges Jax to get in the ring. She does. Ducks a clothesline and then uh, Starks super kicks Jax out of the ring. A big schmoz with all women in this. This is where I'm too generous for my own good because you shouldn't really book this unless you at least want to give a finish, even if the schmoz causes it, like the example. We knew this was going to happen, didn't we? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, why, that's like, why I have no thoughts on the matter. You could call it the finish a mile off. And more's a pity as well because you had a look at Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler here, and I thought Rhea Ripley was tremendous. And you shouldn't have to do this, but this just shows how far Shayna Baszler's fallen. I thought Rhea gave Shayna loads here. It wasn't just that Shayna kind of like dominated portions of the match. It was that she was selling like she was in trouble. She was being reminded of that threat that Shayna has mm. been all along. And for Rhea to do that in her position as the like this massively dominant figure on Raw, I thought was pretty selfless. I think it's another feather in a cap for the the time she's had in this last sort of year and a half. Very, very good while it lasted, but I wish they could now figure the way out of Schmoz finishes like this. You can still deliver a, a winner and a loser to get to your five mm. win. The match was a rendered a waste of time, and yeah. I hate the book, and it's just... It's very late, f- very early fall, the multi-person fair. I'm quite looking forward to the five win. You know? The five, yeah. Well, I'll probably be an over-delivery it's on that. Nia Jax, like, basically saying out loud that she wants to come back to work to injure people. Now there's like four opportunities to do something. It's quite in nice. a pretty complex match, which is where it might happen. Diff- as yeah, a more difficult to navigate. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Postman Pierce is chatting to Becky Lynch. He's going to speak to Shawn Michaels and get that match against Indy Hartwell made official. And Zia Lee shows back up and says, "Where's my shot?" And she's like, "Well, I've already got one, but you can have next." Uh, and then Zia's like, "Well, actually, on my time, do you want this title shot or not?" <laughs> uh, but it was. Uh, what is that? So I think what they're doing here is uh, a nice... Remember when Shawn Michaels, the white meat babyface champion, was seen to be working too hard and he was losing to Vader in non-title matches and stuff like that? I think they're telling a story with Becky where she's trying to commit to being champion so much that when she loses, it's because... I don't care about that. There's one why shot is, too many. Why are the heels getting shots and going, oh, no, when I want? I don't know. Yeah. It's a new trend. It's very stupid. Becky Lynch is it's a very inelegant way of saying we can't do it now. So we're building it up for the future. Yeah. But it just makes the heels look like idiots. Yeah, that's true. The heels should be good. Yeah, I'll take that tomorrow. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. It's like tough tits if you're knackered. That's your choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's Jay Cargill for a, a moment, a stare down with Becky Lynch. She says, nice title. Becky Lynch tells her to get in line. I don't think anyone's ever told Jay Cargill that because her face was like, huh? Uh, and she's got blue huh? on. And uh, <laughs> Postman Pierce is like, let me try some red on. So. This was great again. Don't do too it's many more. Don't do too many more of these. Not great. I like the visual of her and Becky. Yeah. Lynch. I, like same with Charlotte. I think that's like that's again the right amount of Jade Cargill for right now. But enough of this. No. She can't suddenly appear like a bit of a Dolph Ziggler introducing herself to people. Otherwise, she'll be. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? She'll just be like reduced. That that star aura will decrease unless you start backing it up. So not too many more of these. Now you've had your visuals. Yeah. When she's ready, she's ready and get the debut on a go. I I, I thing is I think this is really. Quite effective stuff, but I can't do cartwheels over a little chat. I like a, I like a face. I, I know what the implication is, that Ashley's going to be mixing it up with the real heavy hitters and the top stars in this division. You are then to receive her as a heavy hitter and potential top star. I understand what they're doing, but it's not like, you know, it's not great, is it, Hamlet? Can uh, you use our words a little bit less liberally? I don't know. I was really excited by... 
she's done like Charlotte and Becky. Just seeing them on screen together is is feels great. Great. Like, yeah, because she was in AW such. Now she's in the Fed. Like <laughs> that's that's the magic of the jumps, I guess. Like I the, get it. that's the that's the, but again, to like uh, I will be fair, you can't you can't like next week you can't be like and I'll see you soon, like Candice LeRae. Not that like, Candice yeah. LeRae, but like, she can't just go into that group that Natalia's hanging around with. Yeah. Do that again. She's miles above. Or Natalia. Or Natalia. <laughs> I bet she's going to work somehow because Natalia. Tight oh, up. Christ. <laughs> Six great minutes, I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, Cody. So smooth off those edges. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's chatting to Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso, talking up the main event, obviously, uh, and talking about maximizing opportunities and factions, casting a shadow over Raw. The highlight of this was uh, Jay Uso saying, you feel me? And Cody saying, no, Jackie, do you feel him? Yeah. R.I.P. Organic pattern. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> we will, well. We'll always have the fast lane press conference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gunther versus Bronson Reed for the IC title. The big lad's going at it. Uh, yeah. Clash of the Titans here. Just bar each other early on, basically. Reed early early doors actually goes up for the tsunami. Gunther stops him. Uh, so Reed gives Gunther a back body drop onto the apron, knocks him over with a shoulder tackle. They come back from a break, they're exchanging chops. Uh, Reed hits a headbutt. Gunther responds with a clothesline. Reed responds with a thrust kick and a power slam. Gunther's chop starts getting fired off. Uh, but Reed just grabs him at one point and hits a Death Valley driver for two. That looked nice. Oh, my God. Uh, Reed goes for a senton, but Gunther gets his knees up and hits a running clothesline for two. They battle on the top and a huge superplex um, from Bronson. Reed gets a near fall, but he misses the tsunami. Gunther follows up with a drop kick clothesline, that big splash off the top. Uh, Bronson Reed kicks out and Gunther goes right. Well, I'm not going to mess about here. And he gets up Bronson Reed for a massive powerbomb. One, two, three. Gunther retains. Can I go first here? Because he's probably going to be kinder and I just want to get some ugh, out of the way. Just to make a nicer listing experience, I guess. I hopped on X after watching Raw and I was kind of expecting... I wasn't expecting the, the praise that this got from like a lot of different people whose opinions I hold in high regard. Um, for that matter, because basically there are certain people you follow on X and everything's a banger. <laughs> everything's a banger. But people, I saw people whose opinions I respect love this. And I'm thinking, huh? <laughs> because I don't think the atmosphere was hot enough by half for this. There were certain chops getting through. Where I was wincing, it was like, what felt like not many people in that arena going, ooh, it just felt like really flat. Like, I don't know. I, it's, I don't think it's WWE's fault. I don't think you could have done more if you're Triple H. Do you want to over-push people? Mm. Um, seen enough of that over there. <laughs> um, where you can just, if you ask people to spread their investment too thin, like they won't invest in anyone. So I think Triple H is really quite good at the nuts and bolts of telling people how much to invest. And you got a really good job of that in the build of Bronson Reed. You've had a month where it's like, all oh, right, Jesus Christ. Pay attention to him. He's actually impressing. Maybe that didn't take because I didn't, I didn't get this absolute hoss fight atmosphere. Like, again, I did it earlier to praise WWE in contrast to AEW, so I'm going to go the other way now. This wasn't a Hobbs Miro atmosphere mm. where people were going mental at the idea of these two impossibly proportioned mm. super athletes like beating the crap out of each other. I thought it was a well-structured match, and I really liked how the Gunther flying splash didn't get it done. I bit on that near fall yeah. big time, but I just didn't think this was particularly 
Um, loud or... It's cut and post. <laughs> no one wants to see that. Um, I just didn't get it. I don't disagree, you know. It's I, I wanted to feel this in my plums. <laughs> Low end of the Gunther matches, which of course is a high quality list. Yeah. But um yeah, I love where I love how I love Gunther's finishing sequences where he just stacks his finishes up. Yeah. Like, I've got about six kill shots, so we'll just see which one works. And I love how clean they can be for depending on like who he's facing. So at the point at which like the splash didn't work, he thought Nobody power bombs this guy. He's absolutely not ready to have the wind taken out of him. So, I, but I can. So I'll do that. Like I love the way that you can kind of see. Conceptually, Gunther's. this was a really, yeah. really strong match. I just didn't feel it. I agree. Yeah, I, I wondered if, um, like, halfway through this, which is the problem, because then you start thinking. I wondered if where, and you know, I was as guilty as anyone here. Where maybe what I missed or Triple H did in the build of Bronson Reed is a credible challenger was the lack of investment in him as a babyface, because so often these Gunther matches don't just have two like men fighting for their lives and one fighting to keep his title. You've got even big baby faces are Seamus feeling like they've got a scale a mountain and you don't necessarily root for this villainous monster to scale a mountain. That's not yeah. traditional storytelling. It became just a fi- just a physical battle, as great as it was at points. I did like that uh, Bronson Reed believed in his heart of hearts that the way to beat this man was um, with the Tsunami. And not that I think you're going to go back to this as such, but that's there. If you ever, if like, yeah, it's going through with a tsunami or whatever, there's context for that to happen. It's like, well, could I have done you with that? You know what? Well, I guess we'll never know. Big lads um, four way. That's what I want to see. Possibly. Uh, yeah. I've, uh, See, I've all put the eyes emoji on Twitter about this. Yes. They were like, congratulations, uh, Gunther won. And he was like, eyes emoji. Oh my God. An all WCPW affair. That's a fun. <laughs> you're welcome, WWE. A fun TV win for Gunther. Yeah, that. Book it. <laughs> or found I, it. Yeah. I'll work with you guys. Makes me wish, there. makes me wish like a Strowman was around for like a monster mash. There's got to be somebody else that you can slot in. Is it t- a monster mash? And it is spooky season. Yeah. Like they typically always. Oh man, that's a Halloween booking. Book they should on, do that. Book a monster that. mash for the bail, and then still have the monster mash. Yeah. Um, so, Ivar Gunta, Bronson. Big Bronson Reed, Otis, and Otis. Otis. There you go. As your monster mash, he's beaten all of them. Rose on the thirtieth. There you go. Day before Until Halloween. So, like, put it on the line against all of them. Hits the tsunami for the first time, and somebody breaks up the court, like the cover, so you don't know if Gunther could have got it done. I'm with you, Sitch. It was it was good, just not, like, very evocative. Didn't, didn't turn me feral. No. I like to turn feral when I watch wrestling matches, particularly like wrestling matches such as this. Was it, like, praised as such? I didn't see much. I saw a lot of people, like, yeah. think this is great, but I was like, the crowd weren't even that up for it. Mm. What if... Uh, Bronson Reed hits the tsunami on Otis, for mm-hmm. example. One, two, Ivar moonsaults onto them to break up the pinfall. Yeah. And then Gunther just finished them all off. Oh, my God. We should do this match, if nothing else, because I would love to fantasy book yeah. such yeah. spots. Who's calling her a wanker in that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling anyone a wanker. <laughs> uh, Jacket Redmond interviews The Miz. Um, he does his faces and says, oh, I should have been on this show more. Um Says, well, maybe Nick Aldis should take over here. Uh, anyway, Nijak shows up, grabs the mic. She says, everyone hit me with their best shot, but I'm still standing here looking pretty. When I hit people with my best shot, they stayed down. I do the squashing on Raw. And uh, Miz tries to continue, and she goes, that's enough from you. Quite right. Yeah. The Triple H loves abusing Miz to get his characters over, and fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I think yeah. Miz is happy to do it. Yeah. Uh, Ripley confronts Pierce, and this is where he It's a long show, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Nearly there. Uh, Ripley confronts Pierce, and uh, this is where he books the the five-way for Crown Jewel. 
Uh, and then Jinder Mahal, for some reason, shows up. No! No, no, no! Oh, sorry, that wasn't meant to. Uh, what, what, it's meant to be his, uh, what button did he mean to press? His, uh, no, what button did you mean to press? His entrance theme. Which is where? Uh, I think there's been a, I think it's just been a problem with the example, probably. Yeah. Uh, Alpha Academy <laughs> are in the best gym ever. Uh-huh. Uh, they're training. Akira Tazar was there as well. Chad Gable gets Otis to chop him as a signal to Gunther. It's my... Like, I don't really prepare bits or, like, lines on these podcasts. Kind of call it how you see it. <laughs> but I was about to do this bit, right, where I was going to say, can you imagine anyone laughing at this? And then he <laughs> cannot get through the description without it. Yeah. He gets him to chat, ah, that's for Gunther. Uh, and he also says they're going after the tag titles. Uh, and the New Day show up because someone said the word tag titles and Xavier swivels his hips. So you don't have to do it. I know what it is. He says, I can do it too. Uh, I know what it is. Uh, Kobe Kingston joins. The Jurassic joins, Park, and then <laughs> Joins in. Like, just would, like, could you do it? No, no, no. Ask yourself, should you do it? <laughs> I could do it because we're on YouTube. Ask instead, should you do these revolting things with your body? <laughs> they all gyrate, basically. Yeah, uh, I know what that means as well, so I don't have to say Gable books Alpha Academy against the New Day for the first time ever next I say, week. Just to make it abundantly crystal clear, uh-huh. it's not the idea of a man doing that. That repulses me. Uh-huh. Because when Ravishing Rick Rude does it... Or you do it at bowling. <laughs> it is specifically you. Yeah, that's fair. So who's got the best hips in the biz? Uh, Dazawa does a little dance and they all go, that's nasty, basically. This is trash. That's funny. Absolute trash. Garbage and a reminder of like what all of this was. Three hours Dudley once. boys. Uh, Kirby <laughs> Kingston's opened the library. I mean, he's done I guess we're wrong. In Ghana, uh, which is lovely for him. Imperium applaud Gunther after his win. He congratulates, Ka- congratulates Kaiser on beating Gargano, but he's not impressed with Vinci. Vinci's like, I helped him win. Uh, and Gunther says, well, Gargano's still walking around backstage. Uh, he says, Vinci's got a match with Gargano next week. I want to see him stretch it out afterwards. And uh, Kaiser goes, hmm, no pressure. Right, uh, enough of that. <laughs> Going back to what we were just talking about, right? I want to see Vince McMahon incarcerated <laughs> because I saw yet again, are we sure Vince has gone away? Hmm. When we saw the Alpha Academy stuff, it's like Triple H is also, <laughs> a very puerile sense of humor. Yeah. His brain isn't complete mush yet, so he can put two and two together and make a plot. You know when uh, Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara would talk about how, well, we found something for everybody on the roster. That, that was our role. We'd get in to meet with Vince, and all Vince would say was, what have we got for Steve Austin? And uh, hey, <coughs> top, top star, but I want to help everybody out. You know, we did it in reverse. You think like now, Triple H and Vince are on the Skype call. It's like, what the f*** are we doing with the Curators Hour? Like, who is he having a daft segment with? Triple H, I'm not really using him at the moment, Dad. You get him in that single, <laughs> and you get him thrust in those hips, and you get him in that gym. Yes. Anything to say about the Imperium stuff? Nah. Nah, not really. Like, DIY's return has sucked. Triple H hates them, I think. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's kicking the cat for his uh, catastrophic loss in the Wednesday Night War. Feels a bit Even like though that. last goal wins, as we all know. Feels a bit like that right now, doesn't it? You think he's just, like, teaching them, you know... Yeah, you got to get over all over again, guys. I just don't want him to book them like, well, I know that Imperium DIY is going to rule, so they'll forget this. No, we won't. Like, Gargano's been a chump two weeks in a row now. Yeah. They kicked the hell out of them in the locker yeah. room. Hey. Even Gunther should be happy with that. It's a bit illogical. Mm. This is when those heels, there's no reason for them not to get along. Oh, it's just like a, every stable must have dissension because it's yeah. over. 
Did you watch last week, Gunther? They battered them. I'd be buzzing if I was Gunther with that. You got go What? You are Gunther. <laughs> you are Gunther. I'm buzzing with that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, main event time for the Undisputed Tag Titles. Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso versus Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Uh, early on, Jay's in trouble, so Rhodes tags in and everyone gets power slammed. Uh, he hits Priest with a disaster kick for two. Dirty Dom, of course, runs out, but Rhodes chases him off. Balor tries to attack, but Jay super kicks him. Uh, Rhodes hit Priest with a crossroads early on, but Dom put Priest's leg on the rope to get a rope break. It was like two minutes into the match. I was like, well, this isn't the finish. Uh, Rhodes chase after Dom, but that allows Balor to nail him with a clothesline on the outside. Uh, when we come back from a break, it's Rhodes and Priest trading blows. Um, but Priest faffs about and gets hit with a pedigree by uh, Cody. They tag out. Jay hits Balor with a Samoan drop and Intaguri in a flying crossbody for two, but Balor rakes his eyes to allow him to uh, hit him with a uh, headlock elbow drop. Jay comes back with a super kick. They hit the 1D Cody thing, and it doesn't look like it messes Cody up for once, uh, but Balor actually kicked out of it. Uh, Rhodes went for a dive, but Priest caught him and chokeslammed him onto the apron. Uh, Jay goes up top, but Dom's getting involved. He kicks him off, but that delay has allowed Balor to recover, and he gets his knees up um, and gets a roll-up for a two-count. Sami Zayn runs out to even the odds and, and get rid of Dom, but uh, Priest posts him. So Rhodes chucks Priest into the crowd, calls for a tag, but before Jay can get to the corner, Balor knocks him off the apron, and Priest just hoys him in the cock. Uh, Priest gets Rhodes up, raises Edge through the announce table. Uh, Jay takes out Priest with a suicide dive. Checks on Cody. Um, Balor hits him with a sling blade and a drop kick, but Jay manages to avoid the coup de gras. He spears him, goes for a splash, but Priest hits the ring, so Jay spears Priest as well. Um, he goes to the corner again for a splash, but out of nowhere, here comes Jimmy Uso to super kick Jay. Uh, Balor hits Jay with a coup de gras. One, two, three, Judgment Day. Regain the tag titles. Jimmy Uso screwed. Uh, Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes, and we get that lovely shot of them with all the belts and the fireworks going off to close the season premiere. I look forward to serious repercussions for Jimmy Uso as administered by Nick Aldis, and I will not. I'll hold my hands up if, in fact, that happens. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Uso must face consequences. What's causing all this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having that. <laughs> Jimmy Uso must face serious consequences for the things that he's done. Because on SmackDown, he should get fined and he should get, uh, you know, suspended or something. There has to be some strict sort of, you know, just action taken. Mm -hmm. The idea of, because if you don't take action against Jimmy Uso for the things he's done and for which he should be punished, then realistically anyone can go anywhere and you just completely make an even further mockery of this split draft extension, whatever. Anyone can just do anything. But that's why rules exist and to prevent you from asking these questions, oh, why doesn't he do that? Why, isn't, why can't they do that or whatever? This match was good, but it wasn't anywhere near as great, very good, as the fast lane match. Mm. Um, some of J Jey Uso's Inziguri in the corner, he's just kicking it out. Out he likes. <laughs> it doesn't look like that tight and snug and convincing. Um, I'll tell you, that 1D cutter thing <clears throat> needs to go. It's not just, it's just too awkward. It's giving John Cena in 2015, <laughs> like, it just, it's so... He looks like he's fretting, like looking over his shoulder. It doesn't look like this, 
like I'm so good and my ring awareness is so strong and keen and honed that I can fly into your backwards and know where you are. That's sort of a master I am. He looks like he's going, right, where is he? Is it, it just looks so tentative and awkward and the actual execution never looks good. Um, so get rid of that. It was a nice idea. In my opinion, it's failed. Cody has twice taken a pretty gnarly bump and even when it goes well enough, it never looks... It just get rid of it. This is meant to be the company, right? Where the safety happens and the professionals do it and everything else is rinky-dink. That doesn't look remotely good. Get rid of it. It genuinely takes me out. One really nice thing I'm going to say is that they've... The, the, the camera experimentation, right, where you got an awesome example of it in the Ricochet Shinsuke match. They've developed this camera angle for tag matches. Did you see it? Did you, did you see this? You heard about this? Mm. Where they basically telegraph and signpost the idea that there's going to be a cutoff by aiming the camera <laughs> at the space where this happens. And yet Cody Rhodes... Oh. Oh my god! So fantastic! Oh my god! That they are—they might as well have a, like a, a graphic, a lower Chiron saying, "Cut off c coming in <laughs> t minus fourteen seconds." <laughs> and yet his selling was so good and his performance was so good that I'm thinking, "All right, okay. Well, here comes a heart attack. Then you might want to do a wide shot so you can see the wonderful explosion of Jay Uso unfold in real time." I. I think the flash points were better than the match, so maybe we agree there. Uh, the the lore of the I'm just sick of all of these guys in the same ring at the same. Which time. I think is fair, and we might have found an end point to that mm. in terms of the tag battles at this point. Cody and Jay, so I don't think you're going to get another shot. For example, the Cody One D. I've loved the lore of this, and it has been brief and it has ended because I think that might be the last of it. I love that they've kind of just had a kick out. So that was used at Fastly into absolutely tremendous. Ignoring the execution, which I agree can be a little bit janky. That was used to such great effect at Fastlane because going in, they weren't a team that could put it together. They were supposed to be makeshift. Jey Uso could never live up to his tag team with the with Jimmy, and yet Cody has literally elevated his game with this elevated version of a finisher. I thought that was just a superb idea. Discounting again the wobbly execution. The fact that it has died R.I.P. here with a kick out at least, not even somebody getting in the way of it, shows that Ah, no, they haven't got it. They're not as solid a tag team as the Judgment Day. This was more of an unrealistic dream than something the two of them could ever keep going. So I genuinely love that it has lived and died over the course of this team. It can no longer be this kill shot like forever the 1D was between the Usos. Uh, Jay now has to doubt himself as a singles guy. Can I really go at this alone with my friend Cody's help? Because that move sort of signified that and now that move is gone. And not only is it gone, so are my tag belts because Jimmy, you saw this shadow that I'm trying to keep away from is the guy that's cost that. I, I think the agents just went up, pop when they kick out of the finish. <laughs> possibly, but I like, I really love all that about the life and death of this move as a, as a kill shot for these two. Jimmy, you saw, I can't disagree with this uh, point about the brand split. Like, there should be consequences. Now, the consequences should be held against, if we're keeping kayfabe, against the bloodline because Rhea Ripley is obviously called in a favour with Paul Heyman mm -hmm. because they made that agreement a couple of weeks ago she's been calling in favors and paul Heyman sent jimmy Uso. a uh, jimmy Uso who has roman roman's literally said we can't have this it's a slap in the face to yeah us. like roman has authorized it per their conversation on smackdown so not that they should have seen this coming but they should have been mindful that jimmy Uso was on task to do mm -hmm. this but 
as they weren't last year when Sitch pointed out last year in 2022, Adam Pearce just kind of waved away all the bloodline running finishes month after month after month after yeah. month. This is a good example to tighten up there because Rhea Ripley and Paul Heyman can make phone calls all they want, but this shouldn't be allowed. So act on that. The referee's decision is final, et cetera, et cetera, but punish after, like, in retrospect. As if Cody needs any more reason to go after the bloodline now. Well, then he shouldn't be able to. They're over on SmackDown. They're over there. So mm. that should frustrate Cody that he's lost his yes. weekly free ticket yeah. to SmackDown. Yeah. Really intrigued or to see he... I guess tune in to find out. Uh, let us know your thoughts. That's fine. I'll tune in anyway. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love the Fed. Let us know your thoughts uh, in the comment section uh, or an eighty uh, at What Culture WWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. You can follow our wonderful producer Adam Nicholas at It's Adam Nicholas. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. And then yeah, there's still time to get tickets for our live show. WhatCulture.com forward slash tickets. Although they are rapidly selling out for our show on the 21st of November at the Mosaic Tap in Newcastle upon Tyne. So if you're considering it, get a wriggle on, basically. Uh, right, What Culture Wrestling Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we'll be back to preview NXT as an audio-only podcast later on today. Uh, and then we'll be back as a video and an audio podcast to review NXT with, hopefully, maybe a special guest. Tomorrow. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks uh, to the Dadly Boys. I'm a Dadly Boy as well. So uh, thanks to Adam Nichols. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.